companies will hire us if they either need to grow quickly and can't find the sales staff to do so, or they don't want to build a sales team, which is very difficult to do, or they're just looking for a, a certain level of expertise that they don't have that they want to add to their company's mix. Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application form at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hi, and welcome back to the My Future Business Show. It's Rick Nusky here. I hope you're doing wonderfully well. If this is your first time joining us on the show, it is great to have you here. I hope you take away some great content with you by the end of this call. Now, I know today we're going to have a wonderful call with the CEO of the Selling Factory, Brad Gamble. Welcome to the show, Brad. Hello, Rick. Thanks for having me. It's absolutely my pleasure. Now, you and I were just talking briefly about uh, uh, the the weather that you get in your location. So that's my, probably a good place to start. Where are you located? Yeah, we are located in Florida, specifically Gainesville, Florida, which is the northern part of Florida. Uh, most people know Orlando, yes. uh, Tampa. We're, we're about two hours north of Orlando. Uh, so yeah, we're uh, we're in good old good old Florida, and we are located uh, right next to the University of Florida, which well, is that, really the uh, yeah. the mainstay for the, for Gainesville. Well, that makes a lot of sense given the line of business that you're in. We're going to touch on that momentarily. But has Florida always been your home, Brad? It has. I grew up in South Florida and moved to Gainesville, Florida, to go to the university here. And when I graduated, I decided I would never leave. So I've been uh, living here. <laughs> post-graduation for uh, about 20, 21 years now. So what do you what do you recall uh, in your early days living and growing up there? What was uh, some fun memories that you might be able to share with us? Well, growing up in Florida, uh, the, even though it's hot, it's yes. very hot, <laughs> you, can do st- you can do stuff year-round. So whether it's fishing or surfing or golfing or tennis or really any sport for that matter, uh, Florida is a, a great place to do that. Do you do any sports uh, still, or what? What's your thing when you're when you're not working? I, I played a lot of sports growing up, but I think what I what I ended up sp- uh, deciding I was going to just do full time was golf. I'm, I'm a big big golf fan. <laughs> now, does that does that mean you're any good at it? Because I know I'm not. Oh no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to call your lawn, come see you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've played a lot of golf, and I got decent uh, in my younger years, but uh, being an entrepreneur and, and things uh, doesn't, doesn't leave as much room to play golf as one might think. No, you would hope, wouldn't you? You would hope. But uh, in your pastime, when you, when you like to relax, do you enjoy a movie or a, what, what's your thing? you like live shows or...? I, I enjoy uh, working outside. Uh, yeah. my, my family and I have a... Uh, a wonderful property we live on, and I feel I find it's very therapeutic to whether it's working in the yard or just working outside and doing stuff around the house. It's it, it's, it certainly uh, ages me when I do that, <laughs> but uh, but I find that it's very therapeutic. Yeah, thank you for sharing. I, I love to see the window into people's lives, and it's very important for for the sake of context, Brad, because oftentimes we get caught up in this idea that it's all work and no play, and it's not, is it? You need a balance. Absolutely. Yeah, you have to get away from the computer, get away from the office, uh, and I like to you get out and sweat a little bit, whether yeah. it's working out or working outside. And, and of course, I love spending time with my family. I have a, 
uh, a, a lovely spouse and a nine-year-old daughter oh, uh, who certainly cer- certainly takes a lot of our time and, 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 and she, she's amazing you don't walk around as a dad you run around don't you you never stop yeah <laughs> that's right that's right i think i'd love to uh, if we could brad share a little bit of uh, again some more context around your professional background would you mind sharing with us um, um i guess uh, your professional upbringing and what you've studied and the likes Sure. Well, as, as long as I can remember, I have been obsessed with sales. Uh, going back to when I was a child, uh, growing up in, in, as I mentioned before, South Florida, uh, the neighborhood that I lived in was in a very rural community, and there were homes out there, and certainly was not city life whatsoever. And <laughs> my my friends and I would, we had a lawn service, we had dog washing services, and this is going back into the eighties here, uh, early nineties. Oh, wow. uh, we uh, we did we did we. Sure, we played a lot of sports, but we were obsessed with trying to make as much money as possible from our neighbors by providing any kind of service we could. So I think that's early where my love of business started. And then when I got into my teenage years, I realized that it's really hot outside to have a lawn service. And I ended up uh, working for a retail golf shop or a pro shop in, uh, in South Florida, the Martin County area. And that's where I, that's where I first learned about how to run a cash register, how, what profit margins were, and this is, gosh, 16, 17, 18 years old, yep. uh, how to delight a customer, how to help them find the right kind of golf clubs to really help them out, and I got to learn from an amazing mentor mentor there, and when I when I moved to uh, Gainesville to go to the University of Florida, I studied business, and mm-hmm. I, was, I was a marketing major, which is probably the closest thing to sales, so to speak, yep. and uh, upon leaving, uh, graduating from the University of Florida, I uh, took a job as a full-time sales representative at a company uh, in Gainesville called Infinite Energy, which was a natural gas provider. We sold natural gas throughout the southeastern United States and even into the northeast and spent 15 amazing years at that company, Mm -hmm. Uh, worked my way up to the vice president of sales, had a 80-person sales team, had a, a marketing department and uh, spent probably, yeah, it was 15 years. So in my mid thirties, I left that industry and did a lot of consulting, helping companies, a lot of startup companies and tech companies with their, with building sales teams, how to take a revenue mindset, really uh, help them build out what it means to have an effective uh, sales sales, uh, minded organization. And that's really the impetus that led to the founding of the Selling Factory in 2016. Right. Thank you again. Wow. What a wonderful story. Um, now, uh, just before we jump into the core of that and, and learn more about all of these wonderful things that you're doing there, um, what does a day look like for you? Because um, you would be remarkably busy, would you not? Yes. I mean, we're, we're still a relatively young company yep. and I have two business partners and we, we kind of divide the, the company between recruiting, marketing, uh, operations, customer success, and then sales and finances. And so my business, my two business partners and I kind of t- take two of those six, each of us. And uh, it, it's a lot different uh, running a company versus working at a company. You have much different, I have a much different perspective on things. It's when you're running a department in a large company, you're really responsible for that department and you hope all the other department heads do what they're supposed to do to help the company grow, right? Yeah. Well, that will, when you, when you lead a company, it's much different because while I I personally focus uh, mostly on finance strategy and the growth and sales side of the selling factory Mm -hmm. and, uh, but uh, every, every, 
aspect of the company is vitally important. We have to remember that. Yeah, and we you. have to remember that it's it's a it's something to where if all the oars are not rowing together, the the boat is not going to go go forward. Oh, what an analogy! That's fantastic. Now, I'd love to talk a little bit more in in terms of your team a little later on, if we could touch on them, just to sort of give an sure. idea of who's at the selling factory. But um, you know, you talked about um, hoping that others, you know, uh, do the do the best they can in an organisation. But when you decided to start the selling factory. Um, there's another element that comes into this is risk. How did you manage that? Was it a scary time or were you confident things were going to go well? What, what was your journey like? Well, it was, it, was, it was scary in the standpoint of we literally started from zero. Yeah. Uh, we, are, we, we didn't have venture funding. We didn't take on loans. We didn't go into, into debt. We really said, well, our bank account is zero right now. We have to make it go up. <laughs> so that was that was really where it started, and uh, and and and, and, I, and thank, yeah, exactly. So uh, thankfully, I had a, I had a co-founder who was a, a partner today, and, and since a, a third partner, which we'll talk about later. But yep. what um, what I, I really attribute to what how, why we've been successful is we learned all of us in the in our prior experiences learned so much about how to work in a successful company before we started a company. And I really look back at my time in the energy business, the energy company I worked at, and I learned from two incredible uh, leaders of that company on how to grow not only a profitable business, but a, a business that is doing the right thing, is transparent, is ethical, mm-hmm. and, and, and provides a great culture. So a lot of things that a maybe a 22-year-old or a 23-year-old right out of school that wants to start a business might not know. Yep. At 30, 38, 39 years old, when I started this company, I feel like we've been we, we've we've been able to avoid a lot of the pitfalls that you might have early on, and that's just because that's that's really because of the experience that we've had working and, and learning from other successful leaders. You can't buy experience. That's one thing I know for sure and certain, Brad. Now, um, I, I'd love to talk a little bit about. Um, the variable nature of human beings and the way they think about business. Now, because we have a lot of small, uh, you know, um, aspiring entrepreneurs on the show, small to medium-sized business owners who are in existing businesses, um, they take a lot of value about uh, listening from people like you have already walked the path. Now, when you have days that things in your mind weren't going the way you would hope them to, what did you do? Did you talk to somebody? Did you refer to your mentor? And how did you manage that experience? That's a great question. Uh, yes, thankfully, I have several mentors in my life. Hmm. Uh, uh, two of them are my former bosses that I often lean on. Mm-hmm. I have other uh, fellow business leaders. Uh, Gainesville is a very small community, but it's a very thriving business community. Mm-hmm. So there's other other business owners. I, I'm part of a mastermind group here yep. of, of six, six other entrepreneurs that have some very large businesses, some very small businesses that are just growing. And being able to 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 let go and get feedback and, and, and get honest feedback about struggles that were that I'm having uh, is is just so incredibly valuable. And, and and the third thing I'll say is having having business partners that I trust wholeheartedly that bring a different skill set and a different level of experience to the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, while we while we all have the same shared goals uh, and ethics, it is is also very reaffirming. And that and that's something I, I know a lot of companies struggle with that, especially if you have business partners. Most business partnerships fail 
and and a lot of it is lack of trust. And and so having trust with your business partners, um, and I, again, something I've learned from my former mentors or my current mentors, former bosses, yep. uh, is that when you when you have that trust amongst your leadership team, it makes things so much better and so much so much um, you can go so much faster. Yeah, thank you. I, I want to touch on um, leadership as it applies to cultural development within an organisation. Um, you've done it. You're walking the path right now. You have a team of what looks to me between 15 and 20 people thus far, and I'm sure that's grow- growing. Um, how does somebody like yourself or uh, your leadership team actually get in there, in the weeds with your with your workers, your, your, your colleagues, and actually lead so that they start to follow? Because this is oftentimes a very significant challenge. It, 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 it is uh, very much so and <clears throat> the way our, our company has is now structured is we have our uh, our leadership team of, of uh, the part my two, me and my two partners we have a vice president that works for us as part of our executive team mm-hmm. we have we have six full-time managers that have all kind of grown up in our organization and been promoted to the management level and then we have right now probably 65 to 70 employees working for us in a sales development entry-level sales capacity so uh what we what we've when we started out it was just a few of us and what we realized is that in the beginning we did everything ourselves but once we built a system repeated that system we could hand that system off to somebody else to run then we would go build another system maintain that system hand it off to somebody else and so what we've been able to do with that is we've been able to grow grow from within which is incredibly valuable we're not yeah. we would, haven't had to bring in a lot of outside talent because we have a in essence a feeder system of amazing talent coming through the organization since we employ so many college students mm-hmm. and so we, we we've been able to really give them a framework to be successful and grow and learn early in their careers based on what we we've helped build at the onset systems and empowerment go hand in hand here obviously and it's always fascinated me how you know that element the third leg if you like that element of trust is uh is involved here now is when you talk about systems are you talking about uh is it one-to-one that you coach each other and train each other do you have online sort of um you know uh introductions to the business how does that side of it work yeah, when it comes to our our frontline employees, our our students that we're hiring, we have mm-hmm. a very we have a very airtight training system that we put them through, and we they sit through probably three to four weeks of training on what their job's going to be, what the expectations are, who we are as a company, mm-hmm. who our clients are, and how you can be successful. And we talk about what our core values are, um, and and that that's that's the entry point. So we get them started on the right foot at the onset. The induction. Yeah, it's exactly. And then when it when it comes to our leadership team, we have we have several we have uh, quite a few young managers and this is their first time leading others. So we work with them. We have a very we have a regimented program with them as well to where we're meeting with them, coaching them, working with them on a I mean it's really daily, but really formally it's monthly and quarterly where we're each meeting with our team members to talk about you know what's what are they struggling with what are they doing well and 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 help them find the answers that they're looking for to really help them develop i mean we we're very much like a i would equate us to a college sports team in that we realize that 
if somebody comes to work at the selling factory as an entry-level employee or even as a young manager, the chances are much higher than not that they're going to leave the organization at some point. They're going to yeah. leave. I mean, because we, we do have high turnover. And, and, and in today's world, people aren't staying at companies for 35 years like, like my father did working for the same engineering firm for 35 of years. Course. That doesn't yep. seem to exist anymore. So, <laughs> so we, we, we really embrace that. And when, we, when you, you talked about processes or systems, we, we really we, we, we build standard operating procedures for everything that we do. Yeah. We create, recreate redundancy everywhere we can because we realize if somebody is going to leave the organization, somebody else has to be able to slide right in and keep doing that job to maintain that continuity with our, for our clients. Yeah, that's great insight. This is so powerful. Thank you very much for sharing. Now, prior to the call, Brad, I did my uh, research as I normally do, and I got very excited about what the selling uh, factory is doing um, as a concept. Now, I'm wondering, because I bet you you can explain it better than I could, would you mind sharing exactly what it is that you do for your customers? Sure. Well, in, in short, we're an outsourced sales development company that helps companies grow their lead pipelines, uh, their sales, and their overall customer growth. Uh, that's, 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 in essence, what we do. We are the selling factory. We focus on sales. And companies will hire us if they either need to grow quickly and can't find the staff, the, the sales staff to do so, or they don't want to build a sales team, which is very difficult to do, um, or they're just looking for a, a certain level of expertise that they don't have that they want to that they want to add to their to their company's mix. So companies will will engage with the selling factory, and when they do that, we will build a team of students. Could be as few as four to six students on a team. It could be as many as 25 to, to 35 students on a team. And those students specifically are doing everything from uh, cold calling, uh, making outbound prospect calls, uh, receiving inbound calls, following up on warm leads, building lists of prospects, uh, sending emails and, and, and multiple touch points and trying to get in front of potential buyers on behalf of our clients. So we take on the persona, not of the selling factory, but we take on the persona of our client. So when we're doing our outreach and we're, we're, we're prospect facing, we have the name of our client that we're representing ourselves as. And in doing that, what it does is it just, it exponentially grows the, 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 I guess the, the footprint or the reach that our client has without them having to hire internal staff to do that. This is where you come up with the, uh, the terminology turnkey sales team, isn't it? Correct. Yeah, we can, we can quickly ramp up a team uh, within four to six weeks. We could have it. Wow. We could go from, go from contract signing to a team that is on the phone doing outreach, uh, helping our companies with setting meetings for their sales team, um, and in some cases even closing business for the company uh, to, help them, to help them grow. Now, just again for context, share with us um, the publicly available list of uh, clients that you actually have because I want people to get the idea of how significant a client base that you actually have. Would you mind sharing that? Sure. Well, we, we have, uh, and actually on our website at thesellingfactory.com, we have several case studies listed mm -hmm. from actual clients on there. So I would say that over the past four, four and a half years now, we've worked with about 80 clients 
80, 80 maybe eighty five clients, mm-hmm. and it's been and it's it's been a very wide swath of clients. It's been everything from companies, uh, many of which in the software, the SaaS or tech space, a lot of tech companies, yep. a lot of co- consumer goods companies, and a multitude of different verticals. Everything from CBD companies to sports gear companies. Uh, to insurance companies, energy companies, so it really runs the gamut. the 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 majority of the companies that we uh, engage with have a B two B product or service or platform that they're selling. Uh, in in some cases, we will work in the B two C world where we're calling direct to consumers. Yeah. Uh, but that but that's typically if it's more of an inbound type strategy. We we've intentionally not been in the space of outbound cold telemarketing um Mm -hmm. i've been in that world many many years and we've opted (laughs) not to be in that world yeah Uh, so so we focus uh our our, ours is primarily the b2b space uh with some uh amazing um successes we've had with larger companies in the uh in the uh, inbound and warm lead b2c space Thank you for sharing, Brad. I'd love to to learn a little bit about what's happened over the last uh, twelve to twenty four months. We're living in a tumultuous times, to say the least. Uh, has it, has there been an uptick or uh, in in client um, movement with your business? So, if you look at eighteen months ago versus today, there's been a massive uptick in yep. growth for our company. However, the path to get there was not a a, a, a straight line going up <laughs> when we uh, when 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 COVID first uh, hit in the U.S. and and, and specifically in, in Florida, it was it was around March of 2020, and seemingly overnight we lost half of our customers, oh, half wow. of our half of our revenue went out the door. Yeah, and and up until that date, we were a fully in person team. All of our students came to the office every day. We had no remote work whatsoever that we did. And, uh, and unfortunately, uh, a lot of the clients we had were in the conference space, trade show space, hospitality space, which, got hit, which unfortunately got hit so hard in the beginning of, and, and even to this day in the, because of the pandemic. Yeah. However, however, when we in, in March, uh, mid-March of 2020, we went 100% remote as a team. And... I, I, it took about two weeks of a little bit of growing pains, but our students and our leadership team uh, were just unbelievably amazing in terms of adopting and adapting to a remote environment. And of course, because of the the technology we have nowadays between Slack and Zoom and Google Meets and and so many video tools and, 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 and platforms that we can share, uh, it, it made it much easier and that's even been accelerated even since March of 2020 yeah. but because of because of our ability to to maintain our business continuity through that time period we then became very attractive to companies who were unable to mitigate that risk so companies were coming to us saying look it's now the summer of 2020 yep. I can't figure I can't figure out how to run a remote sales team it looks like you all were doing it pretty well and so really heading into uh, the, the latter half of 2020 we started to see a real uptick in interest from clients and then that has since continued into 2021 where now now we're still, of course, now we have a, a second wave, or maybe even it's a third wave now that's hitting yeah. us, unfortunately. But mm-hmm. but, but what, where we have landed now is really a hybrid. We have students that are coming into the office now because we still believe that 
the most enriching experience our students can have is an in-person experience. And because we're so closely located to the University of Florida and where our students live, they can come in and work a day or two a week and still work a few shifts uh, from, from home, from their apartment or their condo, wherever they live. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been... Our, our business has, has grown, thankfully, we've been very blessed that our business has grown tremendously uh, since the pandemic. So they say that uh, necessity is the mother of invention. I'd say it was the mother yeah. of innovation in this regard. Thank you again for sharing. Now, I'd love to talk about your interns and some of the uh, the ins and outs of uh, the relationships that you have with these wonderful, uh, um, you know, college level um, students. Now, but before we do that, I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit about the terminology that you use in your business. What is a micro shift framework? So a micro shift is uh, is a term that we've been using uh, and have used to explain the amount of time our students or interns are working on a daily or weekly basis. So right. uh, we we call our our, our our students our fractional SDRs or fractional I can sales ask you reps. About that. Yep. Yeah, you, you might have heard the term fractional CFO or fractional COO. Yes. That's, that's, that's been very common over the past decade or so on a consultative standpoint. Well, we've really brought that down to a fractional SDR or sales development rep. And so fractional meaning they're working micro shifts. They're not working eight hours a day like a typical full-time SDR or BDR would work. Mm-hmm. They're, working, they're working two to four hours a day. So that's that's a micro shift, and we, what where that has begun, we didn't even realize this when we started this model. But what we found is that with micro shifts, we get so much more productivity when you look at hour by hour, by hour versus an internal yeah. uh, salesperson because our students are only working two to four hours; they're not working an eight-hour day. To I mean, the typical full-time sales representative who's who's working and say on the phone it might be making 50 calls a day something like that well our team members are averaging 10 to 15 calls an hour and over that same eight hour period they could be they could be making anywhere from 80 to 120 calls a day so you're talking about 80 to 120 versus 50 because our fractional SDRs working micro shifts they don't get burned out they don't yeah, get complacent yep. so it's it's kind of, it's kind of like what what's faster if you had a a world-class sprinter running one mile or four world-class sprinters doing a relay race for one mile well the relay team is going to be faster and that's the analogy that we often use uh, to explain how that model really helps increase productivity uh, for our clients yeah that's incredible i absolutely love that uh, that approach now um, when i'm um, considering the universities, I think about the, the relationships you must have. Um, how many universities are you sourcing these these wonderful talents from? And what's the relationship base? Yeah, so since we are in Gainesville, Florida, and uh, the, the vast majority of our team are graduates of the University of Florida, mm-hmm. we, st- we started building relationships early on with the university here. Yeah. And, and if you've ever worked with universities uh, in the past, uh, those relationships take a long time to nurture. Oh, yeah. And we've built incredibly strong relationships with multiple colleges within the universities, with the career counselors, with the athletic association, so that we have a very fertile recruiting ground for students that are looking for this type of experience while they're in school. So we become a, a very hi- a highly sought after paid 
fully paid uh, internship and learning experience at the selling factory. So, so to date, the vast majority of our recruiting has been to the universe uh, from the University of Florida. Now, just this past year, and we've been very methodical about our approach on this, not trying to go too fast. Uh, we have since expanded, and we're starting to test right now bringing on students from the University of Georgia, uh, about five hours north of us here mm -hmm. uh, in, in, in Athens, Georgia. And we're also looking at Madison, Wisconsin, the University of Wisconsin. And really our, our, our model lends itself well to working with large, you know, large public universities in small college towns. That's really, that's really a little bit of the, the, the secret sauce for us because <laughs> Because we, when, when we have opportunities for students year-round to work part-time at a location that's very close to campus, that gives them the opportunity to not only, not just rely on your, on your typical summer internship program, which is prevalent everywhere. You know, a lot of students will say, my summer of junior year, I'm going to go work for some big company in some yep. other city and do an internship. Well, that's great, but there's still two other or maybe three other semesters a year which you could be learning, and that's what we provide. We provide a very convenient um, and, and, of course, and as I mentioned before, a paid opportunity for students to learn these critical skills that they're going to need upon graduation when they get their first job yep. here at the Selling Factory, and why college towns are so uh, are really helpful is that in a college town, Typically, when you have a large, just like Gainesville, Florida, there's probably 130,000 people that live in Gainesville, Florida, but there's 55,000 students at the University of Florida. If you think about the, the businesses and the opportunities that students have in Gainesville, there's not a lot of them, especially yeah. with a university of that size. Yep. If you look at something, uh, a place like uh, University of Texas in Austin, Texas, University of Texas is amazing, but Austin's a huge city with thousands of job opportunities for students. Mm -hmm. So, so what we're what we are looking at our ex longer term expansion plan is to go to flagship universities, top universities, and smaller college towns. That could be Texas A and M University in College Station, Texas. Uh, that could be Clemson University in South Carolina, uh, or that could be University of Alabama. Uh, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So uh, th those are some of our plans for longer term growth. But our first, the first hurdle we're, we're looking to clear, and we're going to be clearing it soon here, is to create a profitable and repeatable business model in Gainesville that then we can then replicate in other college towns across the country. You know, when you start talking about this, you light up. You know, this is this, <laughs> this is where it's at for you. It's fantastic. You know, um, I, I wonder. You've also incentivized it for interns because oftentimes you hear about people um, pushing the free line. Look, you come work for me, you get experience. But you've taken it that next step above, and obviously, money makes the world go round. So, uh, have you had positive response to that side of it? Uh, yes, certainly. And and early on, we made the decision that we were not going to have free or unpaid internship opportunities at our company, and uh, for 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 two reasons. One is if you if you're not paying somebody, it's uh, it's it's hard to hold them accountable. And mm -hmm. what our student what our students want to learn is what it's like to work in a real life business environment with real life expectations from our clients. And, and if you're not paying them and they're not employees, 
Yeah, and it, it, they they may or may not show up. You just never know. Makes and sense. so, yeah. so that's the, that's the first. Then the second reason is we feel strongly that if you're going to be doing this type of work, which is very difficult work, getting on the phone, calling people that you've never met before, handling that type of rejection, mm-hmm. uh, you should you, you should be paid for it. And so we uh, we 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 certainly um, are, are on the the belief that they should be paid for what they do. Um, so which is why we've always gone that route. Yeah, thank you. Again, I'm loving this call, Brad. I'd love to. There's clearly two sides of the coin here. You have your clients uh, that might come to you and want to know how to work with you, but you also have the application process for the interns, the students. Could you share a little bit about both sides of that? Yeah, you're absolutely right. We have two populations. Uh, We serve our clients and we serve our students. And the Selling Factory is sandwiched right there in the middle. Uh, We realize that our clients have very real expectations. And if they're going to invest their incredibly valuable dollars with us, I mean, we're, we're we're not a charity. We're not a nonprofit. I mean, we're a real-life for-profit business, and, mm-hmm. and our clients should expect us to perform for them. So we are very sensitive to ensuring that we're the clients that we're working with are a good fit for us, and, and we're a good we're a good fit for them. And then the, our other population is our students, and we we treat our students like they're our customers as well. We want to provide an amazing environment for them to want to work because we're already competing with school as their top priority. And especially at top universities like University of Florida or University of Georgia, these are very driven, competitive, incredibly smart students. Yeah. And so they're they're involved in their the Greek system with fraternities and sororities. They're on they're involved with clubs. I mean, they have so much going on. They switched on. Yeah. So so they we have to make sure that that um, we provide a really great environment and learning environment for them so that we can inch up on the priority list and make sure that they make room for the selling factory in their in their daily activities. Now, with uh, that all being said, I'd love to know where the uh, the name selling factory came from. Who came up with that? (laughs) It's fantastic. <laughs> you know, I, I it's it's really not that exciting of a story. Uh, I was, <laughs> uh, but I'll share it with you. It was uh, it was late 2015, and I was doing some consulting for uh, some engineering firms that were making really cool products, and and I was helping them sell those products. And I thought to myself, you know, I would love to create a destination where I could bring in students, because there's so many amazing students here in Gainesville, bringing in, bring them into a, uh, a, a, almost like a factory. And you know what? I, I want to call it the selling factory, because it'll be a factory of sales. Yeah, love <laughs> that's, it. I absolutely that, love it. I, 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 that's, I wish it was more inspirational <laughs> than that, but that's really where, that's, that's where it came from. No, you know, <laughs> the, the simple things in life are often the yeah. best. Let, let that be said. Now, with all that being said, uh, Brad, this has been such a, uh, a great bit of insight. We've only really touched the surface of all the moving parts that go into this business. Now, probably one of the most important parts of this um, whole uh, interview today is where people can find you. Absolutely. Uh, I would say the best place to start is at our website, which is thesellingfactory.com. We have a lot of wonderful information on our website. Uh, there's a uh, the ability to book a meeting with me on there if anybody wants to learn more information. And if there's students that are listening and they want to learn what it's like to be a, a uh, 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 an employee of the Selling Factory from the student standpoint, there's, there's a bunch of information on our website there. We're also very active on 
uh, LinkedIn. So you can find The Selling Factory on LinkedIn. We have a lot of fantastic content, which amazingly enough comes from our students. Our students write a ton of blogs uh, regarding Generation Z, what it's like to for Gen Z to go into the career world and what sales means to them. And there's so many great blogs. We've got a bunch of them on there now that we post on LinkedIn and they're also on our website. Yep. And then uh, uh, we have an Instagram page, and we now we have a TikTok uh, page. So, <laughs> so we have to realize that really Instagram and TikTok are really geared more so to our students, and LinkedIn is really geared more yes. so to our clients. But uh, there's multiple ways to find us, and uh, and 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 of course anybody can always email me at brad at thesellingfactory.com, or of course connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn as well. Thank you so very much, Brad. It's been a fantastic call. Anybody who was on the call with us today is looking to learn more about the Selling Factory, want to get involved either as an intern, a student, or a company who is looking for a turnkey solution such as the one we've talked about on today's call. Um, the Selling Factory is for you at thesellingfactory.com. No matter where you see this call, you will find the links back to Brad and his wonderful team. And with all that being said, Brad, thank you so very much for joining me on the My Future Business Show today. Thank you so much, Rick. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the call, then make sure to subscribe, leave a comment, share us with your friends and book your spot on the show at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. And if you're looking for solutions that will help grow your business, then visit myfuturebusiness.com forward slash shop.